The reading is Romans 6, verses 11 to 14, and then Romans 8, verses 9 to 11. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. This is the word of the Lord. Mm. So we're going to need our Bibles this morning, so um, if you need to grab one from the back, you've got about 10 seconds to do so, Uh, and then we're going to pray and go for it. So, Father, thank you for your immense goodness to us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy, your kindness, so magnificently displayed in the fact that you gave Jesus 2,000 years ago, that history cannot uh, persuade against that this Son of God died and rose again and ascended on high and released his power and his presence into our lives. So may we be found in him And may we be set free to live for him and shine his light wherever he leads us. Uh, And everyone who agrees with that prayer says together, Amen. Amen. Um, So, um, if you were not here a week ago, uh, I was talking uh, part one about the liberating power of Jesus. So today is part two. Um, I'm going to do a quick recap uh, on what I was saying last week. Um, Jesus came, uh, we know, to bring the kingdom of heaven near. And everywhere he went, those who desired were set free. Bodies were healed. Minds were released. People who were excluded were included. Teaching came with a new authority. And life in all its abundance was the fruit of the person and ministry of Jesus. Do you agree with that? Yes. Has Jesus changed in 2,000 years? No. Because he is the same, same yesterday. yesterday, today, and forever. So when Jesus draws near, 
we can expect that the things that we read about in the Gospels, we can expect those to be a reality in all of our lives. Jesus liberates us and he sets us free. And the thing that I want to talk about today uh, is how he liberates us from the power of sin. Now, we don't often talk about sin um, in the 21st century church because we drink too heavily from marketing and we try and present the gospel in really lovely ways. But I tell you what, the gospel is life to all who will receive Jesus Christ. It is so good. But we can't sort of deny the fact that we need Jesus Christ. And sin can be defined by these couple of simple questions. Is there any way that I think that Jesus would not have thought? Because Jesus not only was the Son of God, he was also, what title did he give himself? The Son of Man. And we would say in our day, the Son of Women. He's the Son of us all because he came as one of us in order to become the firstborn of the new creation in order to release the life that was thrown away by Adam, which he has come as the second Adam to restore and redeem through what he did 2,000 years ago, that we might truly be released to live for him and from him and uh, step into all he has for us. It's such good news, isn't it? It's wonderful. So do we have any thought in our heads that Jesus would not have thought? Because that's a sin. That he's come to set us free from its power. Do we commit any deeds or actions that Jesus would not have committed or done? Now, do not allow the enemy to sow condemnation at this moment, because this is the whole point of Jesus Christ. But it seems to me that even when you're born again, filled with the Spirit, moving in the power of God, it is still possible to sin. Here's another question. It is, isn't it? Do you remember that time where Paul, the apostle, had to get right in Peter's face? Do you remember in Galatians uh, chapter 2, Paul is absolutely steaming because Peter, even though Peter, you know, the person who had the vision on top of Cornelius' house about the gospel going to the Gentiles, Peter suddenly retreats back to his old self, gets afraid, and Paul gets right in his face and has to oppose him in front of others and just say, in the end, you foolish Galatians, what are you doing, you bunch of punks? You know, get them all straightened out. Um, So it is possible to slip back and to come under the power of sin. Let me ask you another question. Are there any areas of our lives where we feel out of control in? In the language of Romans 6, 7, 8, any areas of our lives that we are being mastered by or being dominated by, under the dominion of, that we feel we cannot escape from. I'm telling you, there is good news because Jesus has come to liberate us from this. And a week ago, what I was saying is, when you gave your life to Jesus, what happened, Romans 6 verse 5, is that we were united with him in his death. So it's not just feeling positive towards the Lord. If we have given our hearts to Jesus Christ, then these events 2,000 years ago actually happened spiritually to us. We were united with him in his death. The Passion Translation of this um, passage says that we were 
entombed with him. When we gave our life to Jesus, we died. James no longer has rights or obligations or control over my own life because I submitted it to Jesus and therefore I died with him on the cross. I was entombed when they peeled his his dead body down and laid him in the tomb, you know, prepared by Joseph of Arimathea. What happened is we went in there as well. We should have died. He died in our place, but we did die in him because we're united with that. And if we're united with him in a death like his, then we are most certainly united with him in a resurrection like his. Because for three days, his body was dead because of the weight of sin of the whole world that was laid on him. But three days later, the very clothes that they wrapped his dead body with lay folded in the tomb because they couldn't contain the fact that God had resurrected his son as the firstborn of all creation. And even the most powerful force in life, death itself, could not hold back what God was doing. And if we're united with him, this week I heard some people saying, brilliant, we're dying to sin. And I said, yes, that's really great, but we're also coming alive to resurrection life. And so Paul says at the end of the passage we looked at last week, think of yourselves as dead to sin. You were dominated by incessant counting, but now think of yourselves as dead to sin. So what that means, when the need comes into our minds to count incessantly, as it did in my life, think of yourselves as dead. So that it comes, oh, and I feel like I need to count. Hang on a minute. I am dead to counting. Because the need to count died 2,000 years ago in Jesus, and I'm united with that. Does this make sense? And think of yourselves as alive to God in Christ Jesus. So I can think of myself no longer as someone dominated by incessant counting. If you weren't here last week, listen to what I was saying. (laughs) But think of yourselves as being a, a person peaceful in my heart who doesn't need to count to try and gain some kind of control in my life because I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. I'm set free. Okay, that's what we covered last week. It's good, isn't it? It's not, it wasn't a good talk. It's good because of what he's done, isn't it? It's amazing. Okay. So what does, what does Paul pick up in Romans chapter 6? Let's develop this further. And I want us to think through, again, just the process of when, I, when there's something in my life that I feel out of control with or dominated by, I feel those thoughts and those sensations what, what is the process now for getting free of that? Step one is to think of ourselves as dead to it so, um, and, and to alive to God. But let's develop this a bit further. Verse 12, um, Romans 6, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. And please forgive me, I think somebody... Um, Janet read from the NIV version. I'm reading from the NRSV. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. 
Number one, we're into the language of commandment now. Do not let, which says to me, when I feel out of control and dominated by thoughts, actions, or behavioural patterns that Jesus would not have had, that there must be freedom because Paul is giving us with the language of commandment, do not let, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Now, if he commanded that, it must be possible to obey it. Okay? So this is the first step of good news. If he's commanding us not to let sin exercise a controlling authority over us, dominion over us, then it must be possible to be free of that. Now, if you read this passage, there are two words for dominion going on here. The first one we've just come across in verse 12, do not let sin exercise dominion. And then in verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you. Now, interestingly, in the English, you don't realise that these are two different words. And the word that appears here in, in verse 12 is the same word that Jesus uses about kingdom. So in the original language, the word dominion is the same word when Jesus says, repent everybody, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The root word being used for kingdom is the same word being used here in verse 12. Do not let sin exercise reign or kingly authority or dominion, domain, over you. Now, when you enter the United Kingdom now, you no longer are subject to the customs and rules and binding authority of the European Union. This is not a political message. I'm just trying to illustrate what's, what's going on. What you are coming under is the customs the language, the rules, the ruling authority of this island's domain that you come under. Okay? So you can try and speak French to the co-op assistant, and they may be able to try and understand you a little bit, but really the language here is English. You could drive on the right-hand side of the road for about <laughs> 100 yards, and someone's either going to have an accident or the police will be called because in this domain, these are the customs and laws that you come under. Does this make sense? Therefore, do not let sin exercise domain, kingly authority over you and obey its passions. So what happens is the desire to count incessantly rears into view. And as soon as I spot it, then I have a choice whether to cross the English Channel and set foot in this domain. Well, I could just count a little bit and it'll make me feel a bit better and then I'll stop, I promise, you know. But once, I, once I've opened the door and even set foot across the ferry onto British soil in Dover, I am coming under this whole domain, and once I open the door ajar, if I even just allow it to come into my field of vision, 
then essentially I'm coming under the laws and ruling authority of this. Okay? So if this makes sense, so the feelings come into view, and as soon as I spot them, then I can say, ha! This is not even going to persuade me to get off the ferry. Because this died 2,000 years ago. And 23 years ago, when I submitted my life to Christ, a death happened. James perished, and so these feelings seeking to deceive me, I'm not even going to set foot on the ferry. I'm going to wait, they're going to clean the cabins, and then they're going to take me right back to where I was before. But if I allow this to just grow, and then just to indulge in it a little bit, then I might as well take up full residence there, because I have to come under its authority. So what I have to say is, ha, so there's a gangway down to British soil, there's a gangway to get off the ferry, but actually I am not even going to go there because the person, the desire to come under the customs and authority of, of, of that dominion perished 2,000 years ago. And this soil over here in my heart is now alive to something different. Okay? No longer, verse 13, present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness. So if we are engaged in an action that perpetuates this, if incessant counting is because in my house I have an abacus here and I have a, a repeating you know, tape playing at night of just someone counting, whatever it is. I'm just saying I'm weird so, and thankfully God has set me free. But there comes a point where if I'm presenting, if I'm offering myself and the verb present here is, is like a sacrificial offering, if I'm presenting myself to stuff that really is pre what God has done, if that is still where I'm presenting my, the members of me, mind, heart, physical body, then I need to just not do that any longer. You know, I remember when we were in the Arctic, one of the things our children couldn't understand is how we could be in church praying for the Holy Spirit and people getting touched and then 80% of the congregation would go outside and light up a cigarette. <laughs> you know, and Eva, our eight-year-old daughter, you know, she kept sort of nudging us saying, Daddy, when are we going to pray for people to be set free from smoking? You know, and it doesn't make sense, but it's possible to do that so don't offer, if your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit, don't offer it to the God of nicotine and tar and come under that. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. What does this mean? But present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life. Now, if you go into, again, into the original language, when you look at how it's presenting the transfer from death to life, Paul is literally saying, present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from the dead ones into the presence of the living ones. Now, think about this for a minute. Just imagine if... 
you did really believe that you died with Christ when you became a Christian. So every time that you indulge in sin, you're essentially going to Ashington Churchyard in the dead of night with a spade because there's a gravestone there which says on it, James died in 1995 to living life with him at the center. And when he died, he was, he was united with Christ. Now, when I want to incessantly count, I'm essentially going to the churchyard and taking my shovel and I'm digging up this person who died with Christ 2,000 years ago. And I'm saying, please be revived. Please can I try and get your skeletal frame out of the ground and revive you and let you carry on as if this didn't happen and as if that didn't happen. Does this make sense? So present yourselves to God as not being among the dead ones, but present yourself as being counted now among the living ones. So you can go to the churchyard, you can find the gravestone, but I'll tell you what, there's no James there any longer. Because he has presented himself to God now because of what Jesus has done as one who's been raised. Not physically raised yet, but there is the resurrection power of God within me because I've been united with Christ. Not because I'm special and I'm a spiritual superman, but because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, which by faith is real for me as I believe it. Does this make sense? So present your members. So you apply this however you like. You jump into me and Val's incessant counting club, if you like. Or don't jump into the club. Jump into the, you know, um, recovering, you know, that, that used to be us. We're like Counters Anonymous, you know. But, but we're actually set free. <laughs> so, you know, you can come and have a badge. And you can come to our annual meeting. We can tell you all the ways that God has set us free from incessant counting. It's amazing. <laughs> But you apply this however you like, okay? However you like. But present your members, whether it's your psyche, whether, it, whether it's your emotions, whether, whether it's your traumatized memories, whether it's the appetites of your body, present your members, every part of me, to God, not as somebody who always fails and can never get free of this, but present your members now to God as instruments of righteousness. So I think of myself as having a weakness in my mind because I incessantly count, hang on a minute, that's been killed off. And now we're alive to be peaceful. So now I can think of that area in my life which was out of control and think that is an instrument of righteousness. Who knows what the ability to do arithmetic in my psyche could do for the kingdom of God. Now it's full of resurrection power. <laughs> Maybe I could help our treasurer. <laughs> Who knows? But we think of ourselves now as not always being weak in this area because that area died. But now who knows as I present all of me as being made righteous because of what Jesus has done, alive to God, as being fully alive to be used by him as instruments of righteousness. What does righteousness mean? It means to be in right standing with God. 
So this weird area of my psyche, which is as a, as a result of my gene pool, which is prone to being addicted, now I can present all of me to God to be used as an instrument of righteousness, to be in right standing. So my psyche now can be in right standing because of what he's done. And now it's able to be creatively used by the power of God. Is this good? Present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life, out from the dead ones, into the living ones, and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. Think about the shift in our minds. Do you feel there's like a, a, a dark side to you that you live with constantly? Okay? Well, that dark side to you, I'm just, I, just, I really want to apply this so that Jesus can set us free. That dark side to you is why he gave his life. It wasn't just to sort of include you and get us to heaven when we give our final breath in this life. It was that, of course. But the dark side for you was killed off with him. That's why he died, and we were joined with him. So the dark side to me, I can think of myself as dead to, not because I'm amazingly spiritual, but because this is what he's done. And the dark side to me now, because that is no more, it means that that part of me, I can be alive to God in Christ Jesus. And therefore now, I can present the whole of me to him to be used without a little sort of ball and chain around my leg. Well, I'll live for you fully, God, but don't really entrust, you know, um, don't put me out of control because I know anger just comes out of me. Or don't put me in charge of money because I know that I can't help myself. Or don't put me, you know, whatever. I can now, and please hear me, I'm not appointing, I'm not applying this in the place of appointing people who, ha- who haven't gone through this transaction and proved strength in that area. But I'm saying now all of me can be presented to God to be used by him as an instrument of right standing and to reflect his character and heart wherever I go. Is that all right? Okay. For sin will have no dominion over you. Do you remember the word is used like kingdom in verse 12? Well, here the word, the word is used for Lord. For sin will now not have lordship over you. And the implication here is because who is our Lord? Sin, literally the word is curios. Anyone sing the Kyrie eleison? Yeah. Lord. Sin will no longer be your Lord now because you're not under its law, but you're under grace which flows from your real Lord. So every part of you now is coming under the Lordship of Jesus. Now I'm going to skip forward and then we're going to um, finish to Romans chapter 8. Is this helpful? So does that, does that help just in terms of how we think? A bit, maybe? Okay. Let's pick up at verse 10. So I'm going I'm to draw this to a close. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, so our bodies died, James's body died when he submitted his life to Christ, 
The Spirit is life because now, because of Jesus, of righteousness, we're in right standing with God. Verse 11, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, do you have the Holy Spirit within you? Yes. Do you? Yes. How do you know? How do you know? Hands up, who loves Jesus? Okay? If you don't love Jesus, I'm just telling you how wonderful he is, so I pray that you will by the time you go. Hands up, who loves Jesus? Okay. You could not do that if you did not have the Holy Spirit, who inclines our hearts to desire the one for whom we were born to know and to worship with all of our lives. So, if you love Jesus... If you think that he is the loveliest, most worthy person worth giving our lives to, the Holy Spirit has given you grace to even feel like that. So you can say confidently when someone at the front says, do you have the Holy Spirit? You can say, yes, I do. Do you have the Holy Spirit in you? Yes, I do. Why? Because I love Jesus. Okay, it's, it's brilliant. Here we go. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. It's wonderful, isn't it? So the shadow side's been killed off here. We're now thinking of ourselves as alive to God. We're presenting now not just 90% of us, all of us to the Lord. And not only that, But the spirit of him who took a dead Jewish man 2,000 years ago and three days after he died and was sealed in a tomb, he took a dead Jewish man and raised him. An earthquake happened, the stone rolled away and Jesus now appeared to over 500 people 2,000 years ago. The power that took his dead and lifeless body and caused it to breathe again and resurrected it in such a way that now it could be more real than walls. So even when the disciples were locked in a room in Jerusalem in fear of their lives, Jesus can just walk through. It's amazing because his, his, the cells of his resurrected body are more real than bricks and mortar. If the same spirit who did that dwells within you, and do you have the Holy Spirit living in you? Yes. Why? because we love Jesus, then, praise God, how much, what does it say? I want to get this right. If the Spirit who raised Christ from the dead, if you, let me get this right. (laughs) That wasn't tongues. That was my tongue. Um, Verse 11. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, turn the page, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. In my shadow side, I couldn't stop incessantly counting. That was killed off. I'm now thinking of myself as alive to God. I'm presenting every part of me, even my weird arithmetic going on in here. Now my mind, my psyche is full of peace and is able to be used, maybe particularly amongst those who have no peace. And the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, who lives within me, 
is going to breathe life, is going to give resurrection life to that weird part of my psyche. He's going to set me free. He's going to set me whole. He's going to heal me so that I can be used by him without being held back. I can just shine his light. I'm ready to roll. Boom. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. (laughs) Just good. Now it's quarter past ten. Sally, finish the service for us. <laughs> no, I don't know. Let me pray a prayer. We need to finish. I hope this is helpful and practical. And may we, may we be a people that allow the Lord Jesus to set us free from all the things that we've lived with for way too many years that have made us, in several places in our lives, made us weak, that have brought us shame and condemnation. And may you, Lord Jesus, by your spirit, who is resident in all of our hearts, just breathe fresh life as we submit our lives to you. May you bring life in all its fullness, resurrection life, life which is stronger than the most powerful force that we've ever seen in this world. May you bring life to our mortal bodies that we can live like Jesus, for Jesus, and shining Jesus. Amen. Amen. I've got so into that, I can't even find my piece of paper. (laughs) About the last time, I just feel that we need to celebrate Mm. what what he's done for us. Ruth, is the last song a, a, a celebrating one? (laughs) and let's um, yeah just amazing that sense of freedom that Mm. he's come to to bring for us so let's embrace that afresh if at the end you would like prayer um, please come to the front and um, you know we'd be happy to to give that to you any any of the team who'd like to come up at the end maybe and stand at the front so let's go for it let's just you know, just need to do it and recognise the truth of what, what we've been hearing this morning. So, I'm hoping we're going to celebrate. Would you like to stand? <laughs>